0: I'm going to talk about, real quick, I'm going to tell you a quick story about an author who you who you may know, I don't know, have you, has anyone here heard of J.K. Rowling? Yeah. Is that, she's a little unknown author, I, she's wrote a few books, she, I, seven books, I think, yeah, okay, so, it, in case you don't know, uh, she wrote the Harry Potter series, okay, so, and if you still don't know what the Harry Potter series is, uh, you, never mind, I'm not going to say. <laughs> um, anyway, um, so J.K. Rowling wrote seven books all about uh, one character, Harry Potter, uh, great series, broke all kinds of records um, for selling books, but many people don't know her story. Um, they don't know uh, what, it, what it took and what she was going through when she wrote these books. Um, in the early 90s, when she began to write the Harry Potter series, um, a series of events happened in her life that would have normally uh, kind of derailed someone's life and, and maybe, maybe caused them to not uh, reach after the, the dreams of writing a book that they have. Uh, you see, because when she started writing the book, her mother, who was uh, diagnosed with multiple sclero- sclerosis, uh, passed away. Uh, she'd been mailing it for ten years, um, and then she she uh, passed away. This was very early on, and when she was writing the book, um, it was very tragic for her. But it was actually kind of the basis for uh, the character Harry Potter. Uh, since she had lost her parent, she felt like she identified with the character Harry Potter. Since you know he didn't have either of his parents. Spoiler alert. Um, you figure out that pretty early. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, so she's going along. She meets a guy in Spain. They get married. Um, you know, you don't go in any marriage thinking that it's going to, you know, end uh, in divorce. But uh, this one does. Uh, they get divorced after two years. And they had a kid in those two years. So now she uh, has a kid. Things look good. Gets a divorce. So now she's a single mother a struggling writer uh, with a kid that she's got to raise by herself. Um, and she's just really poor. She, she has to go, uh, you know, and get government aid just to live. Uh, so she's living in a, a dirt-cheap apartment, uh, not making enough money to support herself. She's having the government help her. And she's got this book that she just, she just knows. It's a great book. She finally finishes writing it. She goes to publishers. She goes, hey, I got this great book. First publisher, no. Can't do it. Won't do it. Not going to sell. Next publisher, next publisher. She goes through 12 different publishing houses, and they all say no. They say, children's books like this don't sell. You won't make any money. We won't make any money. We can't do it. Finally, finds the publisher who says, yeah, we'll... We'll do it, but it's almost no money that you're going to get, and we're only going to print 1,000 copies. Okay? So the first Harry Potter book that you know and love was only printed, only made 1,000 of them the first time. Um, And half of those went to libraries. (laughs) Like, They're like, "Uh, people might not even want to buy this book. They might just want to check it out. Um, So 1,000 copies, and the publisher tells her, listen, I know you're a great writer, um, but you might want to think about getting a day job. Um, So they they tell her, get get a day job. This is not going to work. This book's never going to sell more than just a few copies. Um, But it takes off, right? Um, A publisher in America sees that it's it's actually a good book. They take it on. Uh, So... There's multiple publishers now involved, and it's, it's sold worldwide. Um, so this book has done so well that she's made $15 billion out of this. That's, that's the value. I'm sorry, she didn't make that. That's the value of the Harry Potter franchise is $15 billion. She is now the second richest woman in, on the planet behind only Oprah, okay? Um, how do you beat Oprah, I don't know, you can't. So, so second richest woman in the world, successful book series, but to get there, she had to overcome all these different obstacles and struggles. Things that would normally, or, or possibly, like maybe if it were me or you, maybe maybe we don't could finish writing that book. Maybe we say, you know what, my mom just died, or I'm, I just went through this divorce, I can't deal with this book right now. I'm going to put this on the way back burner. I'm not going to finish this book. She didn't. She stuck it out through the end. She figured out what she needed to do. She persevered through her hardships and wrote the book. And now she's stinking rich. Okay. But, but money's not everything. Right. Um, there's a lot of people that are successful that, that may not have a whole lot of money. They're successful in other ways. Um, do any of you know the guy, uh, his name is Spencer West? Any of you heard of this guy? Okay, he's, he's made the news um, a couple years ago. Uh, Spencer West is, uh, well, when he was five years old, he had to have both of his legs surgically removed, okay, uh, because of a, a genetic disease that he had. So he had five years old, little kid, That's gotta be traumatic. He has no more legs. And the doctors tell him listen, you're never gonna have any kind of physical activity uh, that you can ever do. You you might not even be able to walk. Uh, Your your life is gonna be, you know, they said, they actually said that you might not ever get past just laying there. You might just always be laying down for the rest of your life. Kind of something hard to say to a five year old. Uh, And I mean, not just a five year old, but like if someone told you that today, You'd be like, uh, what? Um, so he, he, he's grown up now. He's, uh, he's in his 30s. And a couple years back, he decided that he wanted to do something that no one ever thought he could. He wanted to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. So he did what he had to do, he, he prepared for a year, he went through a year worth of training. Got ready, got help. The guy can actually walk with his hands, right? That's how he walks. He walks with his hands. He doesn't use a wheelchair. He walks with his hands everywhere. Trained for a year. Goes. It takes him seven days, y'all, to climb this mountain. Seven days, and he, the only thing he has is his hands, all his gear that he's got with him, and then two two of his friends that are there for, for the ride. They're not carrying him up. He's climbing himself. They're just there. 80% of the time, he's on his hands walking up this mountain. Okay? Uh, he comes down and he actually does, a, he does kind of a charity thing. Uh, he did it all to raise money for uh, this, this charity that, that helps educate children who are in uh, third world countries. And he raised just under $500,000 because of this. So not only did he take something that was holding him back, he said, listen, I, no one thought I could ever climb a mountain, not without legs, but, but I, I saw what, what my obstacles were, and, and I, I, I pushed it to the side, and I persevered, and I climbed that mountain. And now, I'm raising money for uh, you know, children that, that don't, don't have means to, to get an education. So not only is he persevering for himself, he's persevering for other people. So." What, is, what does this have to do with, with, with our race? We talked about last week, we talked about that we're not meant to run this race alone. And tonight, we're going to say that to finish the race, you must run with perseverance. Okay? We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 12. So if you have a Bible, uh, you can go ahead and open that up. Hebrews chapter 12, we're going to be in verse 1 and 2. But before we read that, uh, there's some background you need to know. Uh, in the chapter, uh, in chapter 11, right before chapter 12, that's how numbers work. Um, we've got a uh, we we've got uh, the writer of, of Hebrews is explaining kind of some of the great heroes of the faith. He's talking about guys who've who have who have done great things for God and have followed God, even though. It wasn't convenient, or didn't seem possible. Okay, there's a long list of, of, uh, of, of old guys in chapter 11. You can go back and read it. Uh, I recommend you go do that if, you, if you've got time this week. But there's two guys in particular that you may have heard of, you may have not heard of, but I want to talk about real quick, just real fast. Um, there was Abraham. It talks about Abraham in chapter 11. And it talks about what great faith Abraham had. Well, the story of Abraham goes like this. God says to Abraham, he says, listen, you are going to be the father of a great nation. Okay? I'm going I'm to make my nation through you, through your offspring. And Abraham looks at God and says, that's great, God, but I can't have children. Him and his wife were, were, were old in age, like 70s, right? Right? And, and they haven't had any children yet. And so Abraham goes, God, look, I, I would love to do that. I would love to be the father of your nation. I would love to start that, but I can't. I don't have, I don't have the way, I, there's no way for me to do that. So you're going to have to give me a child. You're going to have to make that happen, God. And God says, that's going to happen. He says, I'm going to give you a child, that you're going to have offspring, And it's years and years and years, and and Abraham is following God and putting his faith in him. And something that seems impossible to anyone in the circumstance, that he would have a child, he finally has a child. His name is Isaac. Okay? Then God, a few years later, tells Abraham, Abraham, I need you to go and give Isaac as a sacrifice. And Abraham's got to have a thousand questions. A couple of them might be, well, if I'm going to have offspring, that, that number of the stars, as, as God says it, uh, how's that going to happen if, if I have to sacrifice my only son? How, how is that supposed to happen, God? And God just says, listen, put your faith in me. You, you, you've done that so far. Continue to trust me. So Abraham goes up uh, on top of this mountain, and he's about to sacrifice Isaac and all of a sudden, God says, no, stop. You've been faithful. We'll have another sacrifice. Um, God gives a, a ram and that sacrifice, and Isaac gets to live, right? But through this, Abraham had faith. And, and, and this faith that went through circumstances that, that he didn't think were possible to, to overcome. But he didn't look at that. He persevered through that. He said, Look, I'm going to put my faith in in God. God's going to lead me through it, and I'm going to finish this thing. I'm going to be faithful to the end. And he was. And there was a guy named Moses. You might have heard of him. Uh, Probably many of you had. If you hadn't, here's the the Moses story real fast. Um, Moses was an Israelite, um, and he was part of God's people, but he grew up, in the kingdom of Egypt, he grew up as, as, as royalty, even though he wasn't related to them, um, grew up uh, under Pharaoh. Eventually leaves uh, that position, goes back to his people, but through all this, he murders a guy, right? So, so he, he's obviously committed some sin here, uh, a big problem, um, but God says, you know, I still want to use you. I still want to use you to lead my people. Right? And he comes up with, with you know, I'm, I'm not a very good speaker. I can't do that. How am I going to do that? God says, trust me. Put your faith in me. Um, long story short, God uses Moses to lead his people, his people that were slaved in Egypt, out and lead them to the promised land. Moses never sees the promised land that God promised. But he was faithful to the finish of his life. Okay? So, I I tell you about these two stories, and it it was rushed. Uh, You can go back and read in uh, Genesis and Exodus. Uh, I suggest those books, they're great. Um, To go read later about Abraham and Moses. But but Hebrews chapter 11, which is right before what we're looking at tonight, it talks about all these guys, those being two of them, but it talks about more, about how they had great faith. And they persevered through the sin in their life, through the struggle through their doubt, and they kept their faith in God, and they did great things. They finished the race because of that perseverance. So we're going to go ahead and read Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race Marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Alright, so, this is is, uh, after this big long chapter 11, talking about these guys of great faith. And then Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, says, Therefore, So it's talking about all these guys that we just talked about since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. These are are the witnesses. When it says great cloud of witnesses, it's talking about all these guys that came before us. You. All these great men and women of faith that came before you. Okay? It says since we are surrounded by them. So Look, we're looking at them, and we're seeing what they did, and we're, we go, look, they did it. We can do it. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. So it's going, this is a race that we're running. There are going to be things in your race, in your life, that that entangle you, that weigh you down. Other translations say, uh, throw off every weight. I don't know if your translation says that. Um, But these are things that are are holding you back from finishing this race. If we look at the life of J.K. Rowling for a second, to get a little less uh, (laughs) spiritual, I guess, um, you know, her mother dying or her going through a divorce could have stopped her from writing that book. But she, she didn't. She said, I'm going to throw that off. I'm going to throw off that distraction. And this, is, this, is, this might be bigger than that. This is probably bigger than that. Because we're talking about hinders, things that hinder your spiritual walk. Sins in your life that are entangling you. And th- this is one of those, those hard talks. We've got to talk about your sin, right? The sin in your life that's holding you back from doing the great things that God wants you to do, right? Because we would not know who Moses was if he let the things that, that weighed on him, the things that said he couldn't do what God wanted him to do, if he let those hold him back, we don't know who Moses is. God uses someone else right? If Moses doesn't doesn't do what God asked him, God would use someone else. So God's trying to use you to do great things, to run this race. And, And he's saying, don't get bogged down. Keep running. So, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So we see here, Jesus is our focus. We're focused on him. He's our example, but he's also our perfecter. Jesus, Christ is the ultimate example of how we run our race because he lived a perfect life. But Jesus is also the one perfecting our lives. We don't get perfected if it's not through Christ. J.K. Rowling wrote a really great book series. But that doesn't cleanse her of her sin. Right? So, So you can do some really great things in your life, but if you don't have Jesus and you're not focusing on Jesus, you're not running the race that that God has for you. So what I want you to see here tonight is that this perseverance that we're talking about is a perseverance that comes from God. It's through Christ that we persevere and we persevere to Christ. Christ. So I've got two things for you tonight. This is, this is where, you, if you're taking notes, maybe put a big bullet point next to these. And, and if you don't go to small groups on Sunday morning, I, I recommend that you go to small groups. Um, we talked about last week at Collide that we want to find a small group and, and be a part of that small group, right? So, so we're going to build off of what we talked about last week about not running the race alone. We're going to talk about that tonight with our first point, which is the first thing you need to do is lose your baggage, okay? If you're going to run a race, and this is this is not just a race, guys. This is this is the marathon of marathons. This is life. We're not sprinting. You know, next week we're going to talk about. Uh, you know, we're in it to win. Okay, but this week, uh, I don't know if I was supposed to say that. But <laughs> this week, um, we're talking about. We, we want to finish right we're We're wanting to finish, and we've got to persevere to do that, so lose your baggage. What does that mean? That could be uh, some guilt that you have, some shame um, maybe an addiction, maybe uh, you're being disobedient in some way to to uh your family or or someone who who has authority over you, or maybe uh you know. General, very big general classification. You just have a sin in your life that you can't you can't let go of. Maybe there's just sin that that you you can't get past. Um, that's our baggage. That's what we've got to lose. So, how do we lose that baggage? Well, one one of the things you can do is. Uh, The race partners that we talked about finding last week, how we don't want to run this race alone, those people that you you were supposed to have a face-to-face conversation with, that, that you want to build a real spiritual relationship with this person, meet with them. Be accountable, right? Get some accountability in your life about this baggage that you have. You just have to be honest with somebody. You just have to tell them, listen, this is my struggle. This is holding me back from finishing this race or it's slowing me down to a crawl, right? You need to get with someone and you need to tell them, listen, this is my struggle. How can you help me with this? Can you help me be accountable uh, so, so I can cut this out, right? And the second thing, and it goes hand in hand with the first one, is look to Jesus, Verse 2 talks about uh, focusing on Christ. We need to look to Jesus. We talked about that he was our example, and that's true. Jesus lived a perfect life. We should strive to live that perfect life. Okay? But not only that, not only are we looking to Jesus as a model, we need to have that relationship with Jesus, that daily, authentic relationship with Jesus. And... And real quick, if, if you're not a Christian in here, if you're not a believer, um, if that's not something that you've done, if you haven't put your faith in Christ yet, uh, that's, that's first. You have to do that before, before any of this really matters. Because uh, through that, we are forgiven of our sins. Um, and that's, that's the most important thing. And if that's you tonight, and you go, you know what, Marshall, this, is, this has really been heavy on me. Uh, you know, the... I can just feel like it's something I need to do. I need to give my life to Christ. At the end of the night, you can find me, you can find Brett, you can find Todd, you can find Lance, any of the adults around here, or maybe a friend you came with and talk to them. You know, I want to accept Christ. How does that work? How do I do that? So, the first thing, accepting Christ, uh, but then relationship with Christ. And And then part of looking to Christ is realizing that that he is the only way to freedom. There's no scheme that we can do. There's no, there's no um, thing that we can do as men and women to, to achieve ultimate freedom from this baggage. And we have to look to Christ as that freedom. I want to tell uh, one last story before we go here and, and the band comes back, back up and, and does a song. Um, but there was an Olympic athlete... Named John Stephen, and I'm going to butcher this last name, Aquari. Aquari. Yeah, we're going to say it's Aquari. Uh, the reason I don't know the name is he's from Tanzania. Okay, um, so this guy ran the marathon in the 1968 Olympics. Okay, that was in Mexico City. Uh, Mexico City and Tanzania have two different. Uh, Elevation levels, right? Okay, so when, when John is, is uh, practicing for the Olympics, he's practicing at a much different environment than he's going to run in during the Olympics in Mexico City. So he gets there, and he's running. Uh, the race starts, and he goes, and, and John Stephen Aquari is famous for one thing. You'll probably never guess it, so I'm just going to tell you. He's famous for having the record for the longest time to finish after the first place winner finishes. So he finished dead last in this race. There were 75 runners, 57 guys finished. He was last, and by an hour. Okay? Half the stadium was empty. They'd already given the medals out. Um, but, but John is still running. The reason why, some say maybe because of his training was a little different, but the real reason is he fell down. Uh, there was a point where they were uh, turning and, and, and maneuvering, and he bumped, and he fell down, hurt his knee. They think he dislocated it, uh, all bumped up. But there's a video out there you can go watch on YouTube of him running in to the finish line, to the stadium, and his his knee is like, guys, straight up bandaged up, right? And he's limping. He's limping in, and he he comes and he finishes, and there's kind of like this, like a couple people, they only a couple people even notice, right? That oh, the Sermon's still racing. He finishes, no medals. They don't give a medal last place. Um, but there was a a reporter that interviewed him and they asked, why did you keep going? You're hurt, your knees dislocated. No one would blame you if you gave up. Look, all these other guys gave up and they didn't get hurt like you. (laughs) Like they just didn't finish. Why'd you have to finish? And he says, my country didn't send me 5,000 miles to start the race, they sent me 5,000 miles to finish the race. This guy had a ton of, of things going against him, slowing him down, holding him back. But he said, I'm going I'm to persevere to the end. I'm going to finish. And we have to do the same thing in our race. Because to finish, we have to run with perseverance. Go ahead, stand.